Hi there. This is Judith O'Day from George Romero's original Night of the Living Dead. And you're listening to Then Is Now Podcast. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Kind of a sick school is this? Uh oh, don't go! The plane! Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger! Alrighty then. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend! I love to celebrate in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on your deck that can choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Up your nose when you have the phone. What? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor, and on this episode, Eric Eichelberger returns once again to give us a recap on the 2023 Shock Agogo Film Festival that was held on June 22nd at the Lumiere Cinema in Beverly Hills. We've also got a lot of things going on here at Haven Podcasts, and if you haven't had a chance, check out our new Then Is Now Presents Hollywood Tales, which has just gone up on YouTube. You can find it at youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 to hear some great stories about Hollywood. Our first episode is part one with comedy writer David Mish, who worked on such shows as Mork and Mindy and Police Squad. In addition to bringing back the Then Is Now blog, I also started two new ones, 1970s horror films and the films of John Saxon. Everything can be found at our website at havenpodcasts.com. Okay, so on to today's episode with our special guest, Eric Eichelberger. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Food fire! 
Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! Go, play and have fun now. Okay, folks, Eric Eichelberger is once again with me. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Glad you could be here. So, how did the Shaka Go Go go? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It went really well. Um, there were a couple of snags uh, in that William Crane uh, Sr. had to be admitted to the hospital. Uh, at the, on the night that we were having the show, he had a moment where he was, uh, I don't know, uh, passed out. Oh, no. And uh, I think that he's having heart issues. But I know that it's being dealt with, and I know that they sent him home, and I know that he's on the mend. Oh, good. And he's doing okay. And what happened at the show was that his son, William Crane the third, showed up, and... He did a Q&A for his dad, uh, and he talked about Blackula, and he talked about um, his dad, and uh, he wanted to do that, and oh, uh, he was in a tux, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess his dad had been in a tux, too. I mean, they were literally walking out the door, and it just happened, so it was uh, scary, Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, but... Uh, William Crane the Third seemed to enjoy himself, and he seemed happy to be there to fill in for his dad. And uh, you know, we were still able to screen Blackula. Oh, that's and good. We were still able to have a Q and A. Uh, we were there were no problems with uh, Jim Wynorski. Uh We screamed Chopping Mall, and he spoke. He did an intro and he did a Q and A. Nice. Uh, that was really good. And uh, we showed the movie Thrust, and the director, Victor Bonacore, spoke, and Linnea Quigley spoke to introduce the film and for Q&A. So uh, it was a full night. And then we also had an hour of shorts, including a short with Brink Stevens. Uh, and then she did a little talk after the short about that short along with the director of the short. And uh, that was, you know, the whole short fest was really well attended, maybe. The most people were there for the shorts at Chopping Mall, I would say. And uh, that was great. Um, so the turnout was great. I'd say we had about 200 people. Nice. And uh, so we weren't quite at capacity, but we were pretty close. And there was, Everyone seemed to have a good time that I spoke to. Good. Uh, there was nobody that seemed like they didn't have a good time. So <laughs> That's good. Uh, that was great. Yeah. Uh, Dave Rita was super helpful. He was the 
uh, he was there last year and then he was there this year as well to introduce uh, Jim Winorski. And who, who was it? Uh, there was a gentleman, Dave Rita, he's a Phil Baker. Oh, okay. And also a guy named David DelVal. And he's a personality, not a filmmaker, but like a film personality guy. Huh. So the two Daves introduced Jim Winorski. Chopping Mall played. Uh, I mean, Jim introduced the film, and then Chopping Mall played, and then we had the Q&A. Nice. And then for Thrust, we also had a short filmmaker introduce Linnea and Victor, and then the film played Thrust, and then they did a Q&A, which was orchestrated by uh, the, the, the gentleman who, his name is Zach, who introduced them. Okay. Uh, and then for um, Blackula, uh, there was a gentleman who's a writer for Fangoria and a big fan of Blackula who came out and uh, he introduced William III, then William introduced the film. He took questions before the movie that time because it was so late. And then uh, we screened Blackula and that was the wrap up. Excellent. After the film ended, we wrapped the festival up. Excellent. Uh, in the yeah, key- had, oh, sorry. Had, go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. I had a lot of good help. I had uh, two people who worked for the festival, Ebony and Daisy at the door. And then I had Chris Beyond, who's a friend of mine who's been with the festival for years. He was doing all the stage managing. My partner, Ben, and then myself plus all of the crew of the theater uh, who were enormously helpful, serving up snacks and taking credit cards for those who didn't have cash or hadn't bought a ticket in advance, uh, and just sort of watching the door and ushering and doing all that stuff. So uh, we had quite a large crew. And, um, yeah, we had great guests. Uh, for the next festival, well, the next two the one in New York is happening in October, and we've got Peggy Sarno confirmed. So we're going to show some films that she worked on with her husband, Joe Sarno. Oh, we're nice. going to show a couple of William Hellfire movies, uh, including his documentary about wave productions and his most recent feature, which features David Yao from The Jesus Lizard. Uh, and we're also going to show Victor Bonacore's film again. Uh, and have a group of people from the film that are New York people this time. Nice. Uh, and probably show another film of his. It's like a five-day festival. Right, And we right. have a full day of just 16-millimeter exploitation films uh, on 16-millimeter. Yeah. And uh, so we have a whole broad spectrum of stuff planned, and that's at the Film Noir Cinema coming on third weekend of October. Uh which I think is like the 17th or something like that. Okay. Uh, that is five days, so it's like the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, I'm partnering with a guy named Will who owns the Film Noir Theater in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And then I'm trying to put together next year's lineup. Uh, I'm in talks with uh, Lynn Lowry from Shivers. Ooh. And also um, The Crazies. Oh, wow. So 
I'm uh, looking at potentially showing one of those films. And then we'll see what else comes up. Uh, her and I have been talking. She had wanted to do this one. Uh, but we, the timing with her filming and stuff wasn't just, just wasn't quite right. So, uh, we'll see. It's a whole year away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one for next year. So we have some time to figure it out. Um, and then I'll be opening up submissions, uh, any day now for the, uh, New York festival. So people can submit their shorts. Uh, and features, and we've got programming to do. So nice. People are listening. Go to Film Freeway. Yep. Search for Shaka Go Go. And then the next few days, we'll be uh, accepting submissions again. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'll have those links in the uh, show notes as well, like we always do. Um, were there, during the Q and A's, particularly for Chopping Mall and Black Yellow, were there any facts that you learned that you didn't actually know about the film, about the films? Um, I mean, they said they shot in a mall in, I think, Sherman Oaks for a chopping mall. Yeah. He told the story, which he's told many times, uh, about how they had called the movie Killbots. Yes. They had done, like, a screening uh, for, you know, a random audience. I don't know what you call that. Like a focus group type screening. Right. Uh, and uh, it wasn't that well-received, or it wasn't, like, the right audience or something, or it wasn't just, like, it didn't land, hmm. and it performed sort of poorly, and um, some janitor, I'm retelling the story poorly, but there was a janitor. Uh, Roger met with um, Jim, and they said, well, let's, let's screen it together and see what's happening here, what we need to change, or you know, how can we have it perform better? Because they believed in the movie, they believed in the cast, they believed in the story, they believed in film, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but they screened it, and then the janitor was cleaning up, and he said, How did you just call it Chopping Mall? <laughs> and then immediately Jim said, Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg, or something like that. And then Roger said something else. Roger it Corman. just like you know, it happened really. Um, it happened really uh, organically, like that. Nice. And uh, that title, along with the imagery they chose for the poster and such, just you know, gave it legs that it didn't have with the title Killbox. So, um, and I think they even had a title before Killbots, like a working title. But yeah, that was sort of an interesting story. Um, when you when you mentioned Roger, you mean Roger Corman, right? Roger Corman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. What about Blackula? So, uh, Blackula, I mean, he basically mostly talked about his dad and said how he had seen this movie. His dad had shown him the movie and hadn't even told him it was his movie <laughs> when he was a kid, which I thought was sort of funny. And, like, he just had no idea what his dad did, you know, up until a certain age. And then I think that he said that he didn't want to put pressure on him to also fall in that, follow in his footsteps, so to speak. Yeah. And he didn't. He actually plays baseball. Um, wow. Well, he's 19, so he's still in college. Oh, okay. 
Um, but he plays baseball and he's really good, I guess, and like got full scholarship. And so he's incredibly talented in a totally different way. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And uh, the fact that he was sort of, uh, maybe he was sort of protecting him a bit from his experiences, which were, you know, as a black man making movies, uh, trying to make Hollywood films, really. Uh, you know, he had a lot of negative experiences he shared with me in the interview. And, you know, uh, people just not giving him a chance. So uh, I think that he probably was looking out for his son a little bit. Yeah. Um, but as far as Blackula specifically, he didn't really have, you know, the kinds of stories that, that, that his dad would have had, I think. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, the movie. Um, but he did talk a lot about his dad, and it, it was heartfelt, and I think people responded well to it. That's nice, and good for him for stepping up for him, you know? Yeah. That's great. That's great. I'm curious, did you, so you said the, um, you know, you were able to measure the audience and they were doing well. Were, um, were many of them first-time viewers for Shop- Chopping Mall and Blackula? Yeah, I would say so. Nice. Because like I say, a lot of people came for the short films. Oh, right, right. Okay. And, um, and uh, then they stayed for other things, but they came because they knew one of the short filmmakers or they were on the crew or the cast for the short films. So, you know, there were, there were a lot of the audience there for that. Okay. And then they stayed for um, the other entertainment, but they came to support their friend or the person that made the short film, or maybe they were in the short film or they were on the crew, you know? So there were quite a few people, um, there for that. That's good. That's good. So you just say that, I guess the audience must've skewed younger then, right? Oh, it was, it was, um, it certainly wasn't the age of the films, let's say. Yeah. The audience. Uh, I mean, there were a handful of people, maybe. But mostly, I would say, it wasn't super young, but it was 30s and 40s, maybe. Right, right. The audience, uh, in some 20s, but it wasn't super young, but it wasn't the age of the films. You know, It wasn't a bunch of 70 or 80-year-old people. It was definitely people who had seen the films on video, maybe, or DVD later, or streaming or they had never seen the films and they were just interested yeah so yeah it was a mix it was a mix but yeah it wasn't people who had you know seen the movie at the drive-in in the 70s and now they're in their 80s no it wasn't that. <laughs> but you know it was it was a uh, you know relatively young audience sure Nice. Yeah, it's funny because I um, I often have these two guys, uh, George and Gene, who've become good friends of mine, and they run um, an event twice a year in Pennsylvania at a drive-in called the Drive-In Super Monsterama, and it, they'll do one in April and one in uh, September. And they'll on Friday night they'll play four horror movies, you know, old ones. And then Saturday night they'll do, play another four horror movies, and it's great. My wife and I have been out there a few times. And they were telling me that it seems like their audience keeps getting younger and the young people are coming up to them going, 
I've never heard of this movie or I've never heard of these movies. This is amazing. They're so good, you know, and they, they're really kind of this much like your thing, your film festival too. I think they're really, um, it's, it's a great way of putting it out there and getting the younger people to realize that all these great movies exist and, you know, that they've never seen before. Yeah, I'd say the new Beverly out here does a good job of getting a young audience now. Yeah. That wasn't so true uh, several years ago. Hmm. I think the audience tended to be an older audience. And that's Quentin Tarantino's Uh, theater, right? Yeah, in the last few years, even because he's owned the theater for a while, but like in the last few years, since the pandemic, I've noticed the audience is really young. And like, it's really cool. Nice. Um, you know, it's just like a whole new generation of people getting into these films. And um, when I've gone, for instance, I recently went and saw Death Race 2000. Oh, nice. It was a very young audience. It wasn't people who had seen the movie in the drive-in. Right, right. In the 70s. It was definitely a young audience, even younger, like... Uh, young 20s for the most part and there's another theater uh, that had sort of I'd say an older audience mixed but not as young as it is now and like that place is called uh, the Brain uh, Brain something. it's a theater that's called the Silent Movie Theater it's been around forever and for a while it was called the Cine Family uh, and now it's called the Brain Dead Studios, oh, okay. and it's really young audience now. But it's like you know all over the map. The programming it's it's really cool, and uh, that one that is really young, even younger than the New Beverly does now. So I'm really glad that young people are like you know uh, discovering these cinephile things. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. really cool. And when I do go out to those two places, I'm happy to see that it's a bunch of young people um, and that the places are doing really well. Yeah. The places seem to be doing really well, that's, like better than they've ever been doing. That's awesome. When I go out there, I see that they're really doing well. That's and amazing. I don't know if it's the programmer or the way or the management of both. Um. The Cine family did well too. They just sort of had a scandal oh, and God. got shut down <laughs> like several years back. Uh, and then you've ever really closed for a period of time when Tarantino took it over. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you, it's cleaner. It's cleaned up a lot, you know? Yeah. Like uh, it's a lot cleaner than it was because it was not a clean place. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> at all. And now it's like, squeaky clean place in comparison. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that's kind of, you know, I kind of miss the, all the beer bottles rolling down. <laughs> you know, just all the sort of like grossness of it before. But um, but I'm glad that the young people are coming up. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of, you know, well, you miss the nostalgic whatever, but then it's good that the young people are coming out. 
Oh, yeah. And, and it's creating nostalgia for them because they're going to look back on their experience at those theaters and events like yours and, and you know, remember it fondly and, and continue, hopefully continue looking into all these great films. Like I, I listen to Tarantino's podcast, which is amazing. And him and Roger Avery, basically, they have all the videotapes from the store they used to work at when they were in their 20s. And they'll mm -hmm. they talk about the movies. They'll watch two or three of them and they'll they'll talk about them on the show. And then there's always ads for the New Beverly Cinema. And oftentimes they're playing on 35 because they only do 35 millimeter at the New Beverly and they'll play the films that they just talked about on the podcast. So it's pretty cool. Oh, I'm glad. Well, maybe that's how some of the young people are finding out about it. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I literally pick up the paper program and like, I, you know, I know that they're not picking up the paper program and finding out that way, you know, <laughs> this large crowd they're getting. Oh, I love like those paper I, programs. Like I've, always, I've always picked up the paper program and like the, the, the other place, the brain dead also has a paper program. And when I go to the, um, when I go to the American Cinematheque, I'm annoyed that they don't have the paper program. They're like, <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to scan this QR code. And I'm like, no, just have a paper program. How hard is it, how hard is it to make, you know, three or 400 copies? I know. Have one at the counter, you know, like, you don't have to mail it out. Just literally have it at the theater. Right. If you're listening from the American Cinematheque, just print out a paper program. You know, it's like they got rid of all the menus. Just have some paper menus. Oh my like, god, I know. You know, it's not it's not hurting the environment as much as like we were having this discussion the other day, me and a couple of friends. It's not hurting the environment as much as you know, mining everyone's information is hurting the environment by scanning your QR codes. To print a few menus on paper, you know, which right. degrade or what you know can be recycled as well. Right, it's right. really not killing the environment, you know, the way they're saying to the to the extent that like mining the things that you need to run your iPhone, third world country where there's blood diamonds and everything else. It's like much worse for the world, you know, yeah. what I'm than printing a few paper menus. Or having a few little printouts at the at the uh, American Cinematheque. There's a couple of theaters Sorry. in Boston that still have the printout, um, uh, you know, upcoming what's coming up in the theater and stuff like that. And it's like, it. I always, I mean, I don't, I don't really live there anymore. But every time I did go to Boston to watch to one of these theaters, I'd always grab one and take it home with me, and I'd, you know, look through and see what's coming up. It's, it's something. There's something in the tactile nature of being able to open it up. You know, look at the backside, refer back and forth, you know, read down it. It's like on your phone, it's just, you need a microscope sometimes to, to figure out what the hell's going on, you know? Yeah, and I don't go to the American cinema. I would go. Yeah. You know, like I would go if I could see what's coming up. Right. Easily and like without scanning a QR code. I would go to the... American Cinematheque, I think I, I probably just don't go because I don't know what's coming. Right. Versus like, um, you know, at the Beverly, I know what's coming up because I grab a little flyer. Right, right. And I, at the Brain Dead, I know what's coming up because I grab a little flyer. Yeah. <laughs> and at the American Cinematheque, 
I have no idea what's coming, and I have to miss cool shit. It's yeah. kind of a shame. It Unless it pops up on my Facebook, but I, I never see anything from American Cinematheque pop up on my Facebook either. Yeah. So I just out of the loop on what they're showing. They're probably showing something great, and I probably should just learn how to navigate their uh, website or however, whatever it takes you to. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Los Angeles. And like I was promoting this festival, so we were at something almost every day. There's something going on almost every day. Wow. In terms of film. You know, like cool. there's either a premiere happening, there's something at the Euro. They just did a whole retrospective on uh, Abel Ferreira, for example. Oh, wow. There's something at the New Beverly. They're always doing cool double features. Like at that double feature with. Um, with uh, Death Race, yeah, I saw Bob Morowski, the guy who runs uh, Grindhouse Releasing. Oh, nice! And also, he's Sam Raimi's right-hand man editor, and he won an Oscar in editing for The Hurt Locker. Oh, he's just out there with his wife, enjoying you know this print of uh, this beat-up print of <laughs> of uh, uh, of um, Death Race 2000. So yeah, I mean. I don't know. It's cool to go out and see the stuff, but you we won't make it to everything because there's literally something happening every day, that's and that's amazing. why it's hard to promote a show and get people to show up because there is so much happening wow. every single day here. The Dark Delicacies is always having something cool as well in Burbank. Huh. There's just a lot to do in Los Angeles. That's cool. Yeah, I'm familiar. I think with the drive-in that you're talking about is that that Harry Guerrero guy. Uh no, it's a guy uh, named Jeff. Okay. It's um up in Maine here. It's called the Pride's Corner Drive-in, and uh, every Saturday night he does um he'll do a midnight horror movie, and he did that like all through the pandemic, uh, and it was great. Okay, yeah, there's a guy that I know in uh, what's the name of the town. What are some of the big cities in Maine? Uh, there's Portland, uh, Lewiston, Augusta, ba uh, Bangor. Bangor, yeah. There's a guy in Bangor that I know who uh, who goes to that stuff. Oh, that's I mean, cool. I sort of know him through the internet, but he's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I was thinking of a place in Pennsylvania that does. Uh, oh, yeah. That's at the Riverside Drive-In in, in um, Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they do cool stuff all the time. There's another one too that I haven't had a chance to check out because it's so far away. But um, the Mahoning Driving in Pennsylvania also does a lot of cool stuff. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yes, that place is just looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think that's Harry Guerrero, or at least he does the programming. Okay, yeah, I think they even that's have a podcast too. Oh, cool. So yeah, they're very good. So how was um, Linnea Quigley? Had you met her before for your documentary? Yeah, I met her a few times before I interviewed her for the documentary. But this was the first time I had her at a show, and she was great. Nice. She signed tons of stuff for people. She was very friendly. She did the Q&A with Victor. And her and Victor are very close. So it was obvious they were close. And that she came out mainly be for him, 
Nice. Uh, and she was a treasure. She was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and Brig like Stevens did she did she do any? She didn't do a Q and A, right? She was just doing autographs and stuff. She did a little one of that short, but uh, she mostly yeah was signing autographs with people. Yeah, uh, she was also just hanging out with Linnea. Oh, nice. Because they go way back, so it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um. Well, dude, that just sounds fantastic, and hopefully one of these days I can we can get out there and and you know go, especially if the one is in um, that you've got coming up is in New York. That's a lot closer to me, so we just have to figure out the timing. Absolutely, yes, that would be great, and I I want to get it get the word out as much as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, once we line up together, yeah, I want to get the word out like as much as possible about that definitely well Uh, definitely oh go ahead yeah and then you know as far as the documentary because you had asked uh we're we're shaping it up to have the first episode done uh by the end of summer and then we'll be shopping it around to streaming networks so if people are listening might be interested uh exploit this the movie.com is the website uh, and we've we've done some test screenings. We're getting feedback, and we're taking everyone's sort of ideas into account. And uh, you know, we're finishing up the pilot, the first episode. We're trying to do a six-part series on exploitation called Exploit This. Right. And if people are listening, uh, check it out. Uh, check out exploitthisthemovie.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, Eric, thank you for coming back on. It's been such a pleasure to having you back again. And, uh, you know, next time, let's try and get together uh, much earlier, like, you know, August or September to to talk about October and, you know, really get the yeah. word out there. I'd like that a lot. Thank you. That would be great. Thank you for joining me today, man. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too. Well, folks, thanks for joining us again. Eric will be back in a couple of months to tell us more about his October Film Festival in New York. Please visit our website at havenpodcasts.com where you'll find our other shows, The East Meets the West, Fright Lounge, and The Cult Movie Lounge, as well as our newest video series, Hollywood Tales. You can also check out my new blogs, 1970s Horror Films and the Films of John Saxon, as well as the return of the Then Is Now blog. You can email us at then is now 42 at gmail.com and join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. Thank you for listening and come back for our next episode. Class dismissed. Then Is Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.
For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.